This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, everyone out there in Lasso land. This is Peanut Butter and Biscuits, your Ted Lasso fan cast for NPR Illinois Community Voices and for the Front Row Network. I'm your host today, Craig, joined by my co-host, Mr. Jeremy Geckner. How are you, sir? What is up, everyone? It's the strings that bind us, and what binds me right now is that I have not slept a lot in the last three days. But you know what? You guys are fans. You deserve my at least like 30% best, which is what I'm going to give you today. At least 30%. Holy moly. <laughs> there is, I should say, uh, right away, just in case listeners are concerned, there is no string uh, attached to any part of Jeremy and I. So we're doing okay right now. Uh, so we don't need to worry about that. In Zoom the links, man. Long strings, that would be. <laughs> Was not ready. Hey, look, I told somebody in her Facebook group, I was like, you are not prepared for what is making Roy Kent laugh. (laughs) All right. I don't think anybody was. I just love that. That that was like, hey, can you guess what's making him laugh? No, no one's going to guess what's making him laugh. But uh, we want to get into this episode because it was such a great episode to follow up with Sunflowers. So what we want to do first, though, is we skipped over the housekeeping last week. We want to make sure that if you took the moment to write us a review that we do shout you out. So we want to go all the way back to an April 12th review that just says, I appreciate you. And this is from Real Logic. And it says, so happy I found the podcast to supplement my session. The hosts and regular guests are a pleasure to listen to. Thank hey. you. Their energy is very uh, camaraderie. It's truly lasso-esque. Love their banter and their analysis of the show. Thanks for the spreading the kindness and go packs. Hey, well, you know what? Aaron Rodgers did just get traded. So um... we were asked to comment. Uh, we had several requests to comment on Aaron's trade to the New York Jets. And all oh, I can man. say is, uh, you know, may your so dreams long, fly as high as the Jets have always flown, which is low. <laughs> as I you know, the last time, the last time they took a Hall of Fame uh Packers quarterback to the Jets it worked out really well for them hey you know they started the season fine and then you know the old quarterback did what old quarterbacks do which is you know get injured but hey you know what Aaron gave us a lot of good years a lot of good memories uh I seriously wish him well you know go go and crush the AFC East man I did get to see him uh play twice in my like for real in real life and Dude's impressive, that's for sure. But he's a New York Jet now, so, so uh, in Jordan Love, we trust. Yes, it is Brother Love's traveling Packer Salvation Show. And... Yes. Now, do you have any of the reviews up here, Jeremy? Or Yeah, no? sure. I got one here from AJ Murphy uh, that says, Well done, lads. Uh, I am a massive fan of the podcast and Facebook community. Of course, plug for the Facebook community, guys. It's getting really fun in there. Uh, you want to join in. Uh, go find a Peanut Butter and Biscuits on Facebook. Uh, it is so lovely to chat with like-minded people 
people. Thank you both. Also, let's go Big Blue. I need more NFC East chat, but more importantly, Richmond till I die. So now we've got a uh, Giants fan here. Um, so I guess he's also hating Aaron Rodgers because, you know, Jets Giants, man. <laughs> We're still looking for that lone Detroit Lions fan to write yeah, in. So please make somebody sure come on that. and brag to us. You kicked our ass in that last game, man. Come on. They certainly did. Um, we have another review, a four star review. Thank oh. you for the four stars. I really like the pod, but I have one suggestion. Hey, guys, Ooh. love Lasso and always look forward to listening to the breakdowns. However, the amount of and stuff like that <laughs> and likes in the dialogue make it almost unlistenable. Ooh. The most recent episode was overwhelming. Please work on reducing those in the editing or something. So, you know, you know, yeah, that's for me. And I know that's my whole thing. And let me tell you something, Mo Brooks. I appreciate it. I really do. Uh, you know, speech patterns are hard. They're hard to, to figure out, to know what you're doing. But I promise you, my man, I'm going to do better about it. Like, you know, all that and stuff like that. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> Just like that. I will say that I certainly don't have any voice patterns or pauses that I go to. I bet <laughs> you would never be able to figure it out. In fact, I absolutely bet that you could never <laughs> figure out what word I like to say way too often on a mm, podcast. Mm. Yeah. I'm the one who does. I've, I think I've adopted that too, by the way, you look at my work podcast that I do. It's that's the word I consistently use after every answer. So thank you. You've infected me with that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this. All right. Uh, we've got another one from Don Warren here. Uh, it says, love this podcast. Five stars. Thank you very much. Great energy and genuine love for the series. I wish it was longer. Thanks for your hard work to get this podcast out so quickly. Well, you may wish it was longer, but uh, we, we uh, you know, have children and, and other jobs to go to. Um, but of course, we love we love what we do here and we love that you love it. So thank you very much, Don. And our last one to catch up, Supergirl 1975 like watching the show with friends this is the Ooh. best tad lasso podcast i've found Aww. and i've tried several well i will say that we have a great community hey, out there and there's yes. amazing podcasts out there the hosts are charming thoughtful and fun it's like having a couple of friends willing to spend as much time analyzing and overthinking this <laughs> as i do and it's such a delight when the show ends i will miss you with my wednesday morning hangout so Aww, that is so thank kind you Thanks, so much supergirl yeah we have a Thanks superhero friend in. here yes and thank you of course as craig said for writing in if you do we take the time because we are consistently blown away by anybody who takes the time to write to us so please do so facebook page apple itunes wherever you get your podcast let us know what you think of the show and we are going to always keep trying to improve and stuff like that the only other housekeeping I have is that I'm going to be releasing a bonus episode over the weekend. I've already recorded it with two wonderful ladies, and we're going to talk about the female perspective to Ted Lasso because Jeremy and I have no clue what that is. Yes, and so Craig and I are not females. Sure that we provide that too. <laughs> last last we checked, Craig and I are not females. Uh, That's so. right. I uh, we're we're very much. Uh, the white male perspective of Ted Lasso, <laughs> which is exactly what you come to for your podcasting pleasures, right? Exactly. So, uh, no, I will bring that to you as a bonus episode over the weekend, but let's get into it. Let's get into Ted Lasso episode seven. Here we go. I love this sequence of Richmond kind of waking up. And yeah. Jeremy, before we started recording, you and I were talking about this and sort of 
trying to understand what the symbolism is here, but I just kind of like how it's showing us the passage of time a little bit better because we get it several times throughout the episode. And we also get to see like kind of Richmond in its glory. Honestly, it's sort of kind of reminded me a bit of the show Welcome to Wrexham mm. when we get to see really the community and the town of Wrexham in a way that it almost becomes its own character and it has like this this life to it. What did you think? And I know literally this is like the first second of the episode <laughs> and it's being underplayed by uh, the song Dream by Cranberries. It's like a perfect opening to it. Of course, the music is always so stellar in this. But what do you think about this kind of opening up and how we keep coming to the shops opening around Richmond several times throughout the episode? Yeah, so I'll get it out of the way. There was somebody in the uh, Facebook group that said that it reminded them a lot of like kind of some sequences from You've Got Mail, uh, the 90s rom-com with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Um, definitely when you look back at that, there are a lot of shots like this of shops opening up and stuff like that. Of course, that movie based on The Little Shop Around the Corner, classic film from the 50s. Um, thank you, Brandon Davis. You've infected my brain like Ted has infected Roy. Um, but there is, um, I think you're right, though, is like there's certain little clues about this throughout this episode. Um, there's definitely a Tedism that comes into play with uh, my thought around this, too. But you're right, specifically when it comes to the community now coming to the um, to the training uh, sessions during the week. Um, and it just starts with our three favorite guys there from the Crown and Anchor. And then it slowly keeps growing bigger and bigger. And I think you're right. What we're now getting into is the idea of what sports means to the places that those sports teams are. Um, and you're right. Wrexham is an absolutely fantastic analogy there. Um, Again, if you have not watched Welcome to Wrexham on FX, please do so. It is a fantastic documentary series all about Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney buying uh, AFC Wrexham um, in the literal lowest tier of English football and uh, trying to get them out after 15 years, one of the oldest clubs in England. And I think you're right, Craig. This is trying to tell us that this team means a lot more than just winning or losing on the pitch. It actually has real-life implications here. And so what I was getting from all these sequences is, was you're right this is the community that this team represents and now it's time to start understanding what that means specifically in the English Football League what these teams truly mean to the communities where they are yes I agree and I will not say absolutely uh, even though I completely agree with what you just <laughs> said I you know I think it's interesting because welcome to Wrexham to me what works about that show is that it's so much less about Ryan Reynolds and, and Rob McElhaney at one point, it's more about the community and kind of learning people who have been supportive of that club for so long. And it really shows you the power of sports to really change a community. And so I think that that's a little bit of what we're getting here for sure. But we get to see some really fun imagery there. We get to see Jamie who's running and pulling Roy <laughs> on a bike. Uh, we get to see our first interaction between Nathan and Jade. We're going to get quite a bit of interactions oh, throughout yes. this. And then we, of course, get Jack giving Keely the first edition, the signed first edition <laughs> of Sense and Sensibility as well, which is going to come back to. And then I'm just going to keep going on here and we can kind of catch up to uh, what we want to talk about before the opening credits. We then see Sam go into Ola's and he mentions that he needs a table for Friday night. And uh, we find out later, just before the opening credits, that it's his dad who's going to be his VIP guest. But... On the TV, they're also listening to the Home Secretary, uh, Brenda Burrow, 
who wants to essentially keep out refugees and send away refugees. So this really comes back to this whole idea of athletic activism that we really have not seen since Dubai Air uh, way back in Do the Rightest Thing in season two, episode three. And so Sam is, of course, going to be involved in this discussion. And of course, we're going to see what's going to happen later on uh, in the episode as well. Sam says that uh, it's too early to be this angry to Simi uh, and trying to get her to calm down about this refugee situation. And then I thought this was interesting. And Simi asked him if they're like why he was there. And he says, is this a photo shoot for Footballer Passion Project magazine? (laughs) Meaning that like she's saying that Sam has been pretty absent from the restaurant. And I just thought that that was kind of like a a pretty big dig there at him from wanting to open up Ola's and to be able to have that. But then we go pretty much right into our opening credits after that. So Jeremy, anything about that uh, pre-opening credit area that you want to talk about? Well, just again, love seeing Tahib, uh, you know, put out there and highlighted every time we get a ton of screen time with him. I'm reminded why I love him so much as an actor. Shout out, go watch his other show, the power on Amazon. Um, very, very good series. And he is very good in it. Um, yeah, this whole sequence, I, I do love how Simi really kind of has Sam's number no matter what. Um, and it really sets up a nice contrast with especially how his dad reacts to her as opposed to Rebecca and stuff. I don't know quite what that means for the relationships and stuff like that. Because there is an interesting theory I heard about Rebecca this week that I hadn't thought of that probably everybody has. But we'll get to that later. Um, yeah, this, this, you know, Sam obviously was the center of the athletic activism in the first uh, or in the second season there, the third episode. And I think what we're doing here is probably pretty important because it reminded me of something that Luke told us uh, in our season three mid mid like report card, so to speak, mid season report card where he said, you know, if you want to ask me about acting things, I'll tell you about acting things because I'm an actor. And so this gets into, you know, when do you get involved? When do you speak up? When do you say, um, you know, what you need to say? And unfortunately, Sam in this episode is going to go to the internet, which is never a validator. Um, It is always a detractor um, most of the time. Ted Lasso groups are fantastic. But I do love that we're keeping that there, though, is that Sam feels the need to get involved. And I think that that's a good thing. I think that anytime somebody with a platform, it's always a good thing when they get involved um, because... You have influence and you should use it, um, I think. So, um, but obviously he's going to pay some consequences for that later in this episode. He comes at it with such an earnestness, though. I mean, yes. I mean, this is kind of later on when he's starting to send the tweets and stuff like that. But it, it's just this like he thinks that he can actually make some kind of positive change because he's so optimistic. He's kind of the hopeless optimist around mm-hmm. the club even. And clearly it's when he starts to like get to fight back that then she really comes after him and it it kind of devolves from there. And of course we'll talk about that here in a little bit, but first let's go on to the media room. And I love this scene beard explaining just Brendan hunt in his element, just explaining total football Mm. and Mm. just like the way that he goes about explaining all this is so great. We get a little bit of like, because it's the Dutch that, that made it. We do also get to see Jan Moss again, kind of correcting some pronunciation there. I I love how much Jan Moss we're getting. Can I call out, like exactly how Brendan Hunt says uh, apologies or like I'm sorry to him because it definitely is like it's a small thing guys 
but it is so fantastic how he says it because it is totally absolutely like something somebody who knows better is like oh i can't believe i did that plus we learned in the last episode that uh beard speaks fluent dutch um so it's probably one of those things where he was also very embarrassed about it Yes, absolutely. And then he talks about the the coach that kind of went on from learning about this from the godfather of total football and how that coach ended up managing Man City. Yeah, that's bad. And uh, also, uh, there's a great cute cut right before they mention Jamie Tart that they did that the editors have given us where basically you see Jamie in the back row kind of zip his lips when he starts they- – Uh talking about his former manager but then of course beard calls it out and mentions that jamie had played for man city and then uh before getting fired because he decided to go on lust concert conquers (laughs) all i love that they called that back that was so fantastic yeah absolutely uh beard has this amazing like battlefield speech about total football and some of it is definitely going to be tedisms but i just love that he's like mentioning all these pioneers and then he's also mentioning his mom's vibrator on the (laughs) nightstand like i mean it's so incredible and he just gets so amped about this idea of total football so then ted explains to the club that not only are they going to do total football but they're going to do it this weekend against Arsenal. Insane. And Roy and the team have lots of trepidations. <laughs> uh, uh, trepidations abound here. But talk to me a bit about this kind of opening media room scene, Jeremy. I really just thought it was like Beard and his element here. He gets to finally explain some of that football knowledge that he's been gathering this entire show. And Brendan, you can just tell like the way that he gives that, that passion that he gives out there. Oh, just Chef's kiss. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic speech and given like delivery of a speech and and everything. But there is also you're right this element that it's a sales pitch, isn't it? He's trying to get them excited about this tactic because they've probably never played this before. Jan Moss might have played something like this, but what I was struck by, Craig was he goes through the history of where total football has like, you know, developed from, from Ajax and and Cruyff and all the way through Barcelona and through the other teams that ultimately ended up with Man City. And here's the thing, guys, if you look at Premier League uh, soccer history, if you look at total football history, when it's played right, it is pretty much unguardable um, in soccer. It will, you know, you, you can kind of like resist it for a while, but eventually the constant movement if it's done right, is just too overwhelming for most teams. And what this really kind of conveys here is you have to put in the work, but you have to have the personnel. And that's why I think it was very important that he called out Pep uh, Guardiola there um, was because you have to have that central figure that can run it all. And of course, Jamie is going to become that at the end of this uh, episode. And it really is kind of important to see that like Jamie is once again, he is becoming the on-the-field leader of this team. It doesn't necessarily mean he's the captain, but he is definitely the one who is going to, I think, inspire them to do the right things on the field. And as you saw with the goal, which, you know, Craig and I watch our fair amount of football now, and that was some gorgeous ball movement in that one. So even though, you know, they end up not winning the match, it's kind of like a, man, that was a moment of like, wow, that's something that's going to work here, I think. Better than Zava at this Better, point, right? As if he were Zava. Yes, um, as it if is. He were Zava. It, but yeah, Brendan is, he crushes this scene completely and just well done, my man. We get to talk, uh, we get to see a couple of other scenes here, then we'll talk about it on the other side. Barbara 
it sees the first edition on Keely's zest and she starts to probe Keely about the relationship to Jack uh, because they're they're kind of like both skirting around the issues here and Keely starts to stammer a little bit about how she <laughs> met up with Jack before uh, for breakfast but they came separately and then we get to learn about Barbara wanting to get to the office so early that she rides in the tube in her pajamas before she gets there but what I kind of liked about that in particular was that it provided us a little bit of a personal insight that Barbara hasn't been willing to share with Keely before and in fact when she first walks in she's like Keely something's going wrong yeah. and she's like oh well <laughs> Well, no, it's not. I'm just used to saying that. Like, yeah. So it's kind of showing that things are starting to turn a corner uh, for Keeley's PR firm, but also for her relationship with Barbara as well. I liked that. But before we talk uh, about that, Jeremy, let's also talk about Nate getting the text from his mom and reminding him to go to his sister's birthday. He says that he'd like to go to Taste of Athens and it would be his treat because, of course, he might want to see Jade there. He's also but got the money now. Looking, yes. And then uh, I love that when he asks Siri uh, about things... <laughs> Siri calls him the Wunderkind. Wunderkind. <laughs> the German he pronunciation. Asked Siri, he asks Siri if Jade likes him. Um, and I will tell you that already some of our very astute listeners have tried to ask exactly what uh, Nate says to Siri. And if you do that, Siri does respond with a special message. So, dear <sighs> listeners, I will tell you right now, you should pause this. And you should, if you're on an iPhone, just ask Siri how you can tell if a girl is really likes you or just is being nice to you. Just say that mm. and see what uh, the outcome is there. Cause the fine folks of Apple, they love that cross promotion, don't they? But okay. what are your thoughts about Barbara Keeley? And then also uh, we get our first Nate scene here in the episode. Yeah. We're going to get a lot of scenes, uh, little shots of Keeley's PR firm where like the employees are now smiling and they're mm -hmm. liking everything. And it seems like the office finally is coming alive there. And I think that's definitely not only just because of Keeley's personality, but you know, it's kind of, I, I like to think it's just the radiation of Lasso. He, you know, radiates to her and she radiates to everyone else. It's like, I don't know, evangelism of sorts. Um, but I did want to call out also especially Nate's um, text messages. I don't know if you noticed this, but like when he gets the text message, you see the last message that he sent with his mom. And it's literally a picture of uh, an internet modem. And it says, cheeky, the internet is out. His mom sent that. And his response is literally, mom, it's unplugged. And you can see that it totally is unplugged. And she just hearts the image. So I love that. I've dealt with that as a techie son. So don't worry about that. But I don't know, Craig, I'm getting a lot of sense here with Nate that we are on our way back. Now, I don't know... Again, this show loves to subvert our expectations um, in every possible way that it can. So I don't know. Maybe he doesn't make it all the way back the way we think he does. You know, I think everybody's expecting, like, I don't know, a reunion with AFC uh, Richmond or something like that. I don't know. Maybe he does stay at West Ham. Maybe it's just that he gains a better understanding. Maybe he understands that Ted did help him grow and helps him become a better person and they can have a friendship again. I don't know. But I do know that Nate is starting to reemerge in very, very big ways. And obviously there's a part later in the restaurant that's very indicative of that. But I do love that Nick Muhammad is getting a little more screen time now. I think we should institute a new segment and it can be like our 
you know, like a 24 hour news cycle segment where it can just like blast onto the screen and it can say, boom, 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 Nate Shelley's hair watch 2023, yes. <laughs> because it it's does seem darker, like man. our boy is getting a little darker again here. Uh, so I don't know exactly what transformation is going on, but of course we do get to see him happy and goodness, we're going to have such a sweet scene here in just a little bit, but mm. I don't want to spoil that. I want to continue talking about this show and moving forward. So we get to see that Ted and Beard are at the Crown and Anchor. And I love this because, first of all, a wonderful conversation about marriage and pegging, which absolutely <laughs> will end up being a uh, see a also a Deadpool sure. movie if you want to know more about this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so what, <laughs> it's all about compromise. Yeah. But, you know, May uh, also comes over and she's kind of feeling a bit lousy. And she talks about that idea that you mentioned uh Actually, I can't even remember if it was mentioned before Both we started recording or yeah. if you talked about it at the beginning of this. But the idea that the the team, you know, the town doesn't come out necessarily to be able to support businesses like the Crown and Anchor when the team is losing. And so she's really concerned about the direction that that is all going. Uh, and then I love that Jeremy, Baz and Paul all stop by the table, too. And they explain to Ted that it's their fault that they're losing because they've humanized him yeah. and they haven't. <laughs> been able to like just give him uh give him grief all the time so they call it call him a wanker again and yeah. all of that and they try to go back to their old ways i i just loved that because like of course like these guys have humanized ted and they just love him now <laughs> and ted delivers this is when ted delivers i think one of the best Tedisms of the episode, which uh, if you steal that from me or if you mention it now, Jeremy, I may. Not, no, that's the I'm one I was... pull that red string that's attached to you. <laughs> no, that, hey, don't ever do that. Um, but B, no, I, I'm not going to say it because it's definitely a Tedism. And it's one of the things that I think is very true about sports. And I. I can't believe that it's taken, you know, this show or at least this moment to like put that crystal clear in my mind about what sports, professional sports is. Um, and it is very much in that way. But I think that what I love here, though, too, is that Ted's reaction to them, even when they're trying to do like the wanker thing again, he seems very much at peace with what he's doing right now. And that, I think, is the most important thing. You know, he's not like kind of not even like shook, but, you know, like taken aback or taking a moment to think about it. He's immediately smiling back and telling them, come on, come on to, to you know, training and see what we're doing. And I think that is very much the, the main crux of this is that now Ted feels like he knows his purpose and that doing this total football with this team, with this personnel is going to work. It's going to be the thing that brings this town back to life, I think. And uh, yeah, I, 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 anytime we get Paul, Baz and Jeremy is, is amazing. So more of them, please. And we got so much of them in this episode and they deliver so well, but you know, I will say like at the beginning of season three, we're getting a lot of questioning from Ted. We're getting a lot of, why am I still here? I understood why we came here, but now I'm not sure what, why we're here. I don't even know if we're really making a difference or if we're actually an impediment at this point. And now we get to see him kind of with some confidence back. Like he's mm -hmm. got a little bit of a pep in his step our now. Boy is and back. I really love to see that for our good friend, Ted Lasso. And we do get to see him uh, on the training pitch. I should say in between, we get this wonderful scene with Derek. I love Derek. The Derek's manager. growing on me. Um, he's, he's fun. <laughs> he's, he's just so much fun. But we get to see Nate kind of looking for Jade and finding out some more information. But really, we just kind of use that as a connective scene to go right into the training on the pinch, 
um, where Ted starts to explain essentially what's needed for total football. And certainly I picked up on this quite a bit because I've been talking about the meta-ness of this show, Jeremy, but see if you picked up on this as well. So he says the four things you need for total football are conditioning, versatility, awareness, and then we never get an answer to number four, quite like we've never gotten an answer to season four. Oh, man. Oh, man. You think we're getting a cryptic little message here, huh? I, I think I think they're messing with us. I, I 100% think that writer's room is messing People with us. Mark, That's the, mark the date and time, okay? 10, 19 p.m. on April 25th when we are <laughs> recording this podcast. Um, yeah, correct. You know what? Now I'm going to go through each of these seasons and see if these are the main themes of these seasons. <laughs> Conditioning, you know. versatility, and awareness. We get that speech from Trent Krim when he's all pumped after the match and he's talking about how it's taken you three seasons to get us here and it doesn't even matter about the fourth. I don't know. He doesn't say the fourth season, but he says number four doesn't even matter. I mean, it could also be a meta message to the to the fans here. It's just like, guys, it's okay. We're going to be fine. <laughs> Fourth doesn't matter. Man, if that is anyway, true, like yeah. you're, you're picking up on something here that I can't unhear now. <laughs> Once that rings, then it's there, right? Yep. I'm sure that there's, I'm sure by the time this podcast posts, there'll be like thousands of other people who have also said the same thing. Oh, there um, will but, be treatises written on this now. So <laughs> well done. Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, we go, let's go back to the show uh, where we're at now. And Roy is going to be taking over the training. And I love that. I, I love how they paint this because it's the same underscoring that they used when he was walking to the bus when they first went on that first field trip on, on the first episode in uh, Mean Spirit. But I, I absolutely loved like the underscoring that's going on. I love that he is just yelling whistle because, of course, he's allergic to metal because mm-hmm. footballers are just like us. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he's. You'll like later you get cuts of just the team just vomiting everywhere, just puking everywhere because Roy Kent has taken over the conditioning aspect of it. So just some really fun stuff that we're going to get on the pitch. So we'll come back to all that here in just a little bit. But uh, Keely is being awkward about Jack when she first comes in and tries to lean in for a kiss. And there's this great scene where the shades go on and then they go off and then they go on and then they go (laughs) off and she's not quite sure what to do about it. But then Jack just brings her out into the hall and announces to the office that they're dating. And I love our boy Dan in this moment, (laughs) trying to give the love is Dan is coming to life, man. I love it. Dan. Dan is so great. Uh, I absolutely love that. Barbara cuts him off, thankfully. Yeah, um, no, no. Not and either. this is a great little uh, basically scene that leads us then into a wonderful scene with Keely and Rebecca. Do you want me to go ahead and go through Keely and Rebecca as well? Or do you want to stop here because we did get this bit with uh, Keely and Jack? You know, you can connect them, I think, because there is a bigger question I have to ask about your feelings about Jack, um, because I think that's going to be one of the bigger uh, conversations this week. So let's go through Keely and and, and Rebecca's dinner scene here, and and we can talk a little bit more about it. Absolutely. So Keely and Rebecca meet up and Rebecca is explaining the story of the man on the boat, the mystery man, the floating Dutchman. Thank you very much, Tori. (laughs) 
<laughs> Absolutely. Whatever you want to call him. Uh, and he, she confirms that they did not have sex, that mm -hmm. what they had transcended sex. And then she does add on a line. And I'm sorry if this happens. No, nope, it's your not. Go for it. <laughs> but she says, but yeah, I would have really liked to see his penis. I mean, wouldn't we and all? Then <laughs> Healy starts to talk about Jack. And then uh, I thought it was interesting. Rebecca explains this term love bombing, where basically like, you're getting overly showered with gifts or like you're compensating for something. And Rebecca is really giving Keely a lot of warnings here that she was not able to see the warning signs with Rupert when he bought her a Jaguar on the second date that they went on. Uh, and so she's just saying that sometimes shiny things can tarnish. Mm. Um, so Rebecca tells Keely to be careful and to trust herself because she had missed so many signs with Rupert. And then turns out at the end of the dinner <laughs> that Jack had, in fact, paid their bill. So let's dive into Jack a little bit here because she's definitely showing in this episode and really in our past episode, you know, we didn't get Healy and Sunflowers because Jack whisked her off to Norway on a private plane, mm -hmm. right? So yep. you can see all of these gifts that are coming in and everything that she's doing. I don't think this relationship is built to last. Yeah, I mean, there's an interesting corollary here because every time Jack comes on, I don't dislike Jack at all. I actually really like Jack. I think that she is um, a really good character, and I don't doubt the sincerity. Um, I think that... I think Rebecca may be playing a little bit of a of a play here on Keely because I think Rebecca knows that Keely still has feelings for Roy and that those aren't going away and that those aren't anywhere that she's going to be able to deal with them. But I mean, you remember what she told Roy when Roy asked where Keely was going in the sunflowers episode, she said to someone or to somewhere, I believe she said to somewhere that thinks they deserve her. And so I don't know. I don't know if she's necessarily trying to like sabotage this relationship, but Rebecca always comes at these things at relationships from a very cautious angle. You know, she wants to, because I don't know about you, Craig, but did, when she started talking about Rupert and sort of making that connection between them, that didn't quite feel right to me. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm with you there. Like I didn't, you know, I don't view Jack as a Rupertish thing now. Maybe we are seeing Rebecca's perspective from that play out with Keely and Jack because, you know, again, the actress is playing Jack so well. I, I feel a sincere, like, you know, thing with, with Jack as a character. I but just we don't know. We know. also don't know much about her. Like, That's and, true also. Know, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I'll put this out into the universe. And then that way, if I'm right, I look like a genius. But I also don't think that I'm right. But like, I am still team Shandy's coming back to destroy something here. So mm. maybe that's the relationship with Jack. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, especially I, because now, like we see later on that Keely is going to kind of reject Jack a little bit. And we don't know what the response to that's going to be when you're someone that has more money than God. You know, <laughs> I think that you probably expect that people will just be able to continue to get showered with gifts. And that I think any kind of uh, reaction in the opposite direction might be met with some resistance, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it, it's a, it's just an interesting question to put out there about what people are feeling about Jack. Because again, 
all of these things taken in a vacuum, you know, buying an expensive book and stuff like that, those do, those are kind of like prototypical, like rom-com tropes that make you think of romance and make you think of this kind of stuff. Also, you know, rare books, bookshops, you've got mail references again. Um, but there is this, I don't know, something just still doesn't quite feel right about the relationship. You're right. I, and I, I don't know what it is. But then you get a scene like when Jack does tell the office, you know, that they're dating. And again, like, didn't you think that that was just a very good character driven moment? Not like in terms of narrative, but like showing Jack's character, you know, showing her resolve and her, you know, willingness to not be like slink away or anything like that. Although you could then also say that is a part of love bombing, right? Like making this big grand gesture to prove your love. Yeah, and it could, you know, I, I think that I can kind of read that both ways. And certainly what they're doing with their, this character is very interesting because I know I continue to talk about it and I keep coming back to it. But like Keely longing for some kind of relationship at the beginning of this season, looking at Roy, looking at Jamie, thinking about both of them, and then finally finding Jack. She just seems like Keely doesn't necessarily know exactly what she wants and so i think that this conversation with rebecca is helping to clarify things for her and i think that that is why she does take rebecca's advice because of course they're best friends and she takes that and really addresses it with jack later on as well so yeah th there's a lot that's going to be happening with these this budding uh romance in this relationship speaking of another budding romance and relationship we get this excellent scene that humanizes nathan shelley in a way that hasn't been done Ooh, uh, all the way back to the first season when we get to see him just eating at uh, his family's house and we do see a niece there by the way uh we so... finally meet the niece everybody thought that this like there was like this whole theory out there about like nate's family like not existing or something like no he's got he's got a niece well, it, that the niece didn't exist and that he was making the boxes. Well, maybe one thing is true without the other, you yeah, know, uh, is what we find out here in a little bit. But it's great to see the, the conversation between particularly Nate, his sister and his mom and being able to see the, the map is just really great because it also yeah. kind of humanizes Nate's father in a way that has not been done, literally has not been done in this entire series. And even like his dad taking uh, his niece out to get ice cream so that way they can talk like more adult talk, like even that humanized him for me a little bit. Like you don't get the the gruff, like always serious, uh, always demanding Nathan Shelley dad in this. And I kind of liked that the writers made that choice. It it really helped bring him as a character around for me a little bit. Um, what I will say is that I love the idea that, you know, you got to go for it in this relationship and you never know what the future is going to hold. I, I really enjoy that idea, like the, the map and the romantic nature of that as well. I'm going to jump around a little bit because I'm going to put the Nate stuff here, and then we're going to talk about all the Sam stuff mm. at Ola's and kind of what's going to go on there too. But Nate does eventually go to Taste of Athens, and he's building up to talk to Jade, and he's going to ask her out, but he needs a minute. So he goes into the bathroom, looks Big in scene. the mirror. Pivotal scene and here. He does not spit in the mirror. And in fact, he has this almost air of, I don't know, what was it, Jeremy? It was like enthusiasm or like it, it's like he was proud of himself that he didn't yeah. have to spit in the mirror. 
And to me, that is almost where, at least from the personal side of things, we still have not seen him interact with Rupert in a, in a couple of episodes. But from the personal side of things, in my mind, Nate the Great's back. Yeah, it's getting there. Um, and again, it's interesting what you said about his father there, you know, taking the, the girl away and stuff like that. I thought there might have been like a subtle dig when he says, you know, like, let them have their girl talk, you know, speaking to Nate and his sister there. Um, so I don't know. Maybe there was still some kind of little microaggression or whatever. But um, yeah, it, it, seeing the map was definitely a great humanizing moment, though. And also, though, remember, I think what the most important line of that entire scene is, which is when Nate goes on his incredible rant about what will happen to him if Jay does say no to him, um, which, again, is just peak Nick Muhammad acting. Excellent, excellent. But remember, his sister says, or his, yeah, his sister says, oh, my God, literally exactly like Nate does, just the, oh, my God, um, and says to him, you're exactly like dad. And I think maybe in this moment, like especially when Nate, you know, sees the map and sees that this guy who he can never get the approval of, this guy who always seems aloof, always sees far away, there is this humanizing effect that he was also so insecure about himself that he couldn't even ask his mother out of this great love of his life. And so what I think happens in the mirror, Craig, is Nate understands that if his dad could do it, he can do it too. Ah, and I think that this like is, that. again, a very important father-son connection that this show continues to just continue to go, go, go about. Even when you think you've got the father-son relationship figured out, there's new ways it can go. There's new wrinkles that can be tried. And what happens here is so important for Nate. You're right. We haven't seen Rupert in a very long time. Who knows? Maybe he's off on an island somewhere or whatever with the Sacklers again. Um, but there is this growing sense now. You're right that Nate is finding himself again. And I don't know if you can just say it's Jade or, or what, but I think Nate, especially in, in his dates with Anastasia, sees that this life is not him. It's just not him. And it's not going to make him happy. But the thing with Jade, it really is. And I am loving these two together. I really, really am. Yeah, well, and even going back to Big Week and to the match with West Ham, like him trying to, he really does want to apologize, or at least he wants to talk to Ted, and he's trying to build up the confidence to do that. Now, uh, in that great elevator scene where he's like hiding out to not see Ted, because <laughs> Blair Witching in the corner, doesn't, he doesn't 100% know how to uh, go about that situation. And so, yeah, man, I uh, really love what they're doing with Nate here. And I like that they have kind of given us hints that West Ham is still dominating the Premier League. So Derek mentions that in that really brief scene that yeah, I mentioned yeah, yeah. earlier. But then also his sister said he's the hottest manager in the Premier League uh, as well. So we know that, you know, they're still on a tear. And so at some point, our Richmond is going to have to take back on West Ham and they're going to take on Man City. And hey, man, we only got five episodes left. So yeah. <laughs> uh, things are going to happen quickly, I imagine. But talking about father and son relationships, we're going to start to get into Sam's uh, relationship with his dad here in just a bit. But let's talk about the situation with the boat of refugees that are coming into Port Portsmouth Har Harbor um, or Portsmouth Har Harbor. And uh, I wanted to, I went ahead and I wrote down exactly the tweet that Sam ends up sending out. He says, and this is him basically, again, trying to earnestly get this home secretary to notice and to be able to open a dialogue to be able to get her to change her mind. And he tweets, profoundly disturbed by the situation in Portsmouth Harbor, 
I hope Home Secretary, and then he puts in her handle, will reconsider her position and help make Britain better than this. And so I, uh, again, that athletic activism beat, that hopeless optimism of Sam Obasanya thinking that he can change uh, this person's mind just with being able to start a conversation. But then we do go back to the pitch and everybody is still puking. (laughs) Ted starts to talk about versatility. And here it is, man. Maybe the funniest scene that Mm. Ted Lasso has ever given to us in the history of ever. Um, He starts talking about versatility and the, the need to need to swap positions and they all start to do these amazing, amazing uh, impressions of each other. Particularly, I love Danny Rojas and Isaac McAdoo <laughs> doing their impressions of each other. And basically, he tells everybody that they're going to be switching positions with somebody else. And Jamie asked if there was a mistake because Jamie is switching positions with Jamie. <laughs> and the coaches try to explain that to him, that basically they just say, we just think you should keep doing what you're doing. But I Mm -hmm. saw that more as basically like season one, Jamie, season three, Jamie. And I don't know if that's the subtext they were going for there. But what do you think that was, Jeremy? Yeah, I'm wondering if that was either a mistake on the coaching staff's part or if. Oh, I don't think it was a mistake for sure. Like, Like, yeah, well, no, 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 not like a, uh, you know, oh, how did that happen? But like maybe they were trying to. Like whether or not they wanted him to like stay like a front loading striker or something like that, um, you know, whether they thought that was the tactic that would work or whether Ted is playing a game here of trying to get Jamie to understand that he needs to step up. Um, and so he doesn't need to switch places with somebody. He needs to be who he has now become, you know, this selfless, you know, conductor of sorts on the field that he's going to end up being in the Arsenal match. Um, so I don't know, maybe that's where Ted was trying to get him to um, in terms of this exercise, because Jamie really is fulfilling the role that he needs to fulfill now, but the rest of the team needs to get there. Now, the caveat is, of course, though, Jamie needs to be able to speak up and say the things that are going wrong there, which, of course, will happen later. Um, So, again, though, this is hilarious. You're right. Uh, You know, Will the Kit Man as Coach Beard is one of the funniest things I've ever seen there. Once again, doing the imminently gifable let's go um, from season uh, two. Uh, Yeah, it's it's just all over the place. It's fantastic. Uh, Beard really getting the hang of throwing the water bottles to everyone. And uh, of course our crowd and anchor guys like switching places with each other. I loved, too. I loved Baz and Paul switching places, man, that, that almost cracked me up more than anything because it just shows you that this show has allowed us to love all of these characters, regardless of how minor they may appear. But we also get to see Isaac try to do a corner kick. The only time we see Leslie Higgins, I believe in this entire episode, yeah. uh, Jeremy Swift made his payday with this, just dropping some tea on his lap because Isaac kicked it in. No, you know what? I'm, I'm wrong because, um, Higgins is at the match later on too. So he does do a little bit more in this before everybody starts yelling at me, um, in a curious and not judgmental. And, and I'll, way, and I'll say this before we go on on when Isaac takes the corner and kicks it into the window. Um, 
I don't know if you noticed this, but it's only because I've watched this movie about a million times in my life. But um, our guy in the stands there has a direct quote from the film Major League, which, of course, a lot of people do here when he says, just a bit outside, which if you don't know from the movie, Bob Euchre, the legendary baseball announcer, is the announcer in that film. And Charlie Sheen's character, Ricky Vaughn, is he throws 100 miles per hour, but he is absolutely all over the map, all over the place in the strike zone. So he's called the wild thing. And his first game he pitches, he throws 12 consecutive balls to start the game to load the bases. And every time they're like the catchers diving all over the place trying to catch it. And on, but and on the radio, the only thing people are listening to, Bob Euchre just keeps going like, oh, just a bit outside, drive the corner and missed and stuff like that while he's throwing the ball everywhere all over this stadium. And of course, my favorite line for that whole scene where he goes, how can they lay off pitches this close? Which again is just, I cannot stress this enough. Go watch Major League. It's hilarious. And thank you so much, Ted Lasso, for putting that in there. Yeah, absolutely. They always add little things to us. But then we get to um, we get to see a tweet uh, back from the Home Secretary oh, to Sam, Sam, which basically just says that uh, Sam should shut up and dribble. Hey, doing a Laura so, Ingram angle here. Fantastic. <laughs> yep. Uh, so then we get to go back to the, the pitch a little bit later. I'm going to kind of tie it all in here. And this is where we get the red strings, the Japanese myth about all soulmates being connected by an invisible red string. So instead of being tied to their hands, Roy Kent has decided <laughs> that it should be tied to their dicks. And there is so no reason for this is... too, right? He did this just to mess with them. <laughs> it, it was so, and like his laughter, like... <laughs> Brett, Brett Goldstein laughing is Roy Kent is Roy Kent laughing. That's the next gift that's gonna just go go through the the internet like fire. Then we get the scene that again I was referencing earlier the connection between like the impressions that they're doing and the pitch and everything else and then this scene. This is the best scrimmage scene we will ever see <laughs> ever. Um, particularly when just out of nowhere you don't see who it was but you do see a red string, the circle of the red string on the pitch. And you're wondering what's happened. They pan up and Jamie Tart is just double checking to make sure that he has not been castrated uh, (laughs) on the field. And fortunately he's not. (laughs) I also love little details. Uh, Van Dam is tied to the goalpost. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I just love that that's there. Oh, and then uh ted like walking forward and then oh my god it's, it's uh is it isaac and danny is that who it is it's no, isaac Danny's, and someone else it's, it's uh isaac and uh i don't know if we see the other one clearly i think it's just uh maybe somebody random i'll try and check it here i know yeah. we see isaac but uh yeah i was not expecting that that's just like oh no 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 <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I want to say maybe Bumper Catch, but uh... oh, it was Bumper Catch. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Um, fantastic. Just absolutely loved uh, all of that. And then we get back into the the locker room, and Sam decides that he's ready to respond to the home secretary. Well, because there's a new her. tweet, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And uh, he then basically responds to her and at the end calls her a bigot as well. Mm. Uh, And so that is going to come back here. We'll talk about that in just a second, because first, before we go to Ola's again, we need to see Nathan Shelley 
making his own box for Jade. I think I cut it off at the beginning. You know, of course, you've all seen this episode, but we got so in our heads about uh, him going to the bathroom and not having to spit in the mirror that we didn't mention that he actually does go back to Jade and tells her that he needs to do something first. Mm -hmm. And so that doing something is to make one of these beautiful boxes that we've come to this know. This thing is Ethan awesome, Shelley. man. It's so awesome. It it was just uh, fantastic to see him making that because it was like, I, I think that like fans everywhere were just like, yes, he does make the boxes. This is so great. Uh, and then of course he's walking it into taste of Athens and he drops it. He falls on the ground and it's run over by a truck. Pure rom-com guys, pure rom-com tropes. <laughs> yes. And then Jade walks out uh, because she's been sweeping and he does just finally ask her out. And then instantly, Without a beat, without hesitation, without thinking, Jade says yes. So matter right. of fact, too, just very much you can tell. And plus, there's a few scenes before this where she goes out into the street looking for him, you know, because I'm guessing every single day he's been looking in the window at her for a while now. And then when he's not there, all of a sudden she notices this and I, you know, gets her thinking a little bit and... This is so sweet, though. Everything about this is sweet. The music, Tom Howe's music underneath this is absolutely gorgeous. And this is this is like peak love actually type of romance. Like, you know, and, and it's very good. And I don't know. I, I sat there after this happened, Craig, and I was just like, why am I happy for him? <laughs> but it's because... I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We want to be happy for Nate. He does deserve some, some love and, and some genuine, you know, good feelings, especially when you're surrounded by Rupert all the time. We've all we all wanted the redemption arc for Nathan, you know, like we all want Nate the Great back. And so I totally I totally get that. This is where we talked about it earlier. So I'm going to kind of skip over it now. But this is where uh, we do get the pushback from Keely on Jack uh, that she's just giving her too many gifts and even a ring inside of a croissant that she bought her <laughs> as well. And so Jack says that she understands she's coming on a little bit too strong and that she is going to back off. But here's where we get like, you know, Ted Lasso does such a great job of having like within minutes of seeing grown men running around with red strings attached to their penises, um, <laughs> we then get this scene where Sam walks in and Ola's has been vandalized and uh, everything is ruined everywhere. And there's, you know, glass shattered. Every table is overturned. And then on the wall, Simi is looking at the wall and Sam looks over too. And it just says, shut up and dribble. Um, Sam's distraught, but we go immediately back into the locker room. And again, and just like, just completely randomly, they decide to bring in the great escape. <laughs> and they do <laughs> yeah. this great like water bottle bit um, before we yes, get in. But I think like there's a, a reason for that. I think that's the team learning to work together. Like, you know, it's, it, I mean, it could just be a nice little fun sight gag for them. No, no, you're, you're right. I mean, I think you're right. Cause they're on the same page at this point. Yeah. Absolutely. Much like uh, in the great escape where they're having to work together to kind of build this underground tunnel. Mm -hmm. Great movie, by the way. Again, no classic one, cinema people. Come on it. now. Great escape yeah. is an amazing film. But almost immediately, Sam comes into the locker room and he is completely distraught. He gives this uh, really impassioned, uh, basically like monologue yeah. about fans and how fans, uh, you know, don't only want to listen to him when he's on the football pitch. But then the second that he does something wrong, they'll turn on him. Um, maybe like us and, and uh, poor Aaron Rodgers, right? I'm not uh, turning on Aaron. I'm, I wish him well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I. 
maybe wish wish him a little less well. Um, but <laughs> Craig's like, I wish him knee injuries or something. Come on, no, man. I don't, want him, I don't want anybody injured. Okay, come on. Uh, Just, we're you know, get a four interception about game or from something. Jets fans now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I I love that he gets all built up here. Like he gets he gets so mad. He gets so impassioned, and then there to save the day is his dad. It's it's such a juxtaposition and such a difference from what we saw from Jamie's dad in mm. season two and in season one. Um, the fact a, that it's, it's not an accident that they cut to Jamie there and that we mm-hmm. once again see, I think probably a little bit of like subconscious jealousy that, you know, Sam has such a supportive dad. Yeah. And I mean, like uh, just envelops him in his arms uh, and it, it's just a really touching hug and scene that you get. And then it immediately goes into uh, scene with just the two of them talking and basically, you know, his dad is just spitting these words of wisdom. I'm like, I kept writing them all down as Tedisms. It's like this week we ought to just do, uh, Ola-isms or something like that because like this, uh, and of course, I guess spoilers, if you didn't know that his first name is Ola by now and you're not crying like me at the end of this episode. Um, but you know, Sam is saying things like he doesn't think he's going to reopen it because someone's just going to trash it again. And his dad, again, just tells him that he just needs to keep moving forward and that he, you know, the wor- the thing that will piss them off the most, and I'm going to say it again in my Tedisms because it's so good, but the thing that will piss them off the most is just forgiving them as well. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was just a, a great scene between father and son. Then we get this really kind of cool, like, uh, you know, end beat on the scene of Ted and Ola and man, I could, those two, I could watch them do so many scenes back and forth. Like I absolutely loved them as well. So that was a a really cool thing to get. Anything you want to talk about there before we jump into match day? Uh, Well, first the actor, uh, Nonso Anozi, amazing. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely amazing uh, performance here in this episode. So comforting. So loving so supportive of his son in this moment and once again thank you ted lasso for a second half of the season locker room hug that absolutely breaks us all um and again to i can't even say enough about the acting here because you could tell that like he's holding all this in he's just like he's letting loose he doesn't know what to do he's literally kind of flailing out in outer space and then like a lifeboat here comes here comes his dad to just say you know, I'm here. What do you need? Basically. And he just, you know, finally sees probably for the first time in a very long time, seeing his dad in person. And it's at that moment, that particular moment when he is maybe as distraught as we've ever seen him, um, you know, and it's just right there at the right time. You're right. His speeches are amazing to him to get him to move forward. And I kind of picked up on like the way he says big whoop, and this is very much like how Ted says big whoop. Um, you know, Ted says yep. that a few times there. I think most recently when uh, Roy and, and Beard showed the Nate tearing the sign footage to the team and he goes like, you tried something else, big whoop. You know, so this is yep. definitely so one of tried Ted's something phrases. New. Didn't work. Big whoop. Yeah, so yeah. this is definitely one of Ted's phrases. And again, really kind of shows you why I think uh, Sam's father is very um, okay with his son staying in Richmond because he's got someone like Ted looking out for him. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into match day with Arsenal. I did the absolutely thing, didn't I? Uh, Rebecca <laughs> and Keeley keep talking about Je- uh, 
keep talking about Jack before the match. And then Rebecca actually gets a chance to meet Sam's dad. It's a very cute and awkward stammering oh, man. because this both was funny. of them don't know, don't know what to say to each other. And then Keely breaks it up by just saying, go Richmond yeah, go you know? yeah. uh, and trying to get it. Uh, but then we do see some of the match and Richmond just looks utterly confused. They actually are legitimately running into each other. Arlo White is giving them the business. They go down uh, three nil at the half. And then we cut into the locker room. The team just looks so upset, distraught. They start arguing with each other. Uh, everybody is kind of going back and forth. And then Ted sits them down and uh, he starts to explain to them how he decided to use, to get his mustache. And great peak Tedisms again, a great little locker room speech where he's talking about the blue collar comedy tour. Um, <laughs> and then... Jamie actually uh, speaks up and says that he has something he wants to say, but he's not sure if people want to hear it. And what do they do to him? They to give him the signal, man. They, they all give him, him the signal. The signal. Oh, yes, man. everybody flips him off, uh, going callback directly to our season two episode, The Signal. And um, basically, he he says that he he's not doing it wrong that they are doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. And so then this is when Jamie brings them all to the board and he kind of maps it out and explains it. And he becomes a coach in this moment. And even it even surprises Jamie because when people start gathering around the board and listening to him, you kind of see him double take and take this beat and look back at the team because they're all listening to him. And then of course we get to see later on in the 75th minute, this amazing play that you had talked about earlier, just a, a beautiful choreography. The passes were amazing. Uh, the goal was incredible. And you can really tell, like, I know we talked about like the bus scene as being the turnaround, like there has to be a turnaround, but this is like actually is on it. the pitch. Yeah. This is it. This is the this is the turnaround for Richmond. They're going to go on a tear. And I think that <laughs> even when we get to the next episode, um, we're going to see that Richmond's already won a couple of matches uh, prior to our next episode uh, where we're heading into now. So, yeah, uh, the team does still lose three to one. But Trent is so excited uh, while Ted is walking into the locker room and everybody calls him a dork because he's so excited. But Ted proclaims that he's their dork. And this is where he's talking about this is the lasso way. And you took three seasons to get here. And uh, it doesn't even matter about what number four is. Um, and it's just all of that, I think, is some real meta-ness from James Lance. But also just it's fun to see Trent Krim so excited. Yeah. Um, and it was just a great scene. So what do you think about the match, Jer? Yeah, this is uh, really peak stuff here. Uh, also very important because w when they give Jamie the signal, you know, obviously that is, if you don't remember from that episode, that is their signal to him is saying like, be the prick we need you to be. That's what, that was Roy's entire thing. There was just like, you, there are times on the pitch where you need to be a prick and you know, where you need to be a provocateur and stuff like that. And so to bring this back into a sports perspective as well, what's very important about what Jamie tells them here is that you have to stop playing to me and start playing through me. And what I love about this, Craig, is because if you dig into in basketball, the triangle offense, which Ted is basing total football on here, um, at least their version of it, um, 
the triangle offense only works at its peak when you have a centralized point man in the middle, typically a big man like a six nine or, or taller person who can pass the ball. That is when the triangle offense is at its peak. You want to see an example of this in basketball history. Look at the Lakers teams with Kobe Bryant and Pau Gasol. Every single time they ran that triangle offense for Phil Jackson, it was through Pau Gasol in the middle of the key, and he would be able to like outlay it to four different people who are always open because somebody's going to be coming to him to try and take him. So literally, Jamie is telling them there, you've got to stop thinking of me as you know your goal scorer and start thinking of me as the person who gets you all open, who gets you all mm-hmm. the opportunity to go wherever you feel like you need to go. He is literally the crowd. He is literally the cat that is going to make this whole engine go and the fact that they got to see it work that brilliantly and by the way not for nothing Craig against a team as really good as Arsenal because in the Premier League Arsenal is very good and they always are um, I think this is Sarah and I have been waiting for it the turning moment and everything they have to go on a run there's only five episodes left this feels right here like the moment this team is going to finally turn it on and I think you're it was right. a moment for for Jamie Tart too, because the guy who wouldn't even make the pass yeah. in season one. Oh, in a beautiful now, setup, man! Oh, just now, yeah. Of course, he makes this amazing pass uh, to it's Richard that ends up uh, scoring the goal, right? I think um, so. I'll double check here while you do that, but yeah, it was and it, it just like it, it's absolutely uh, incredible stuff, and I just love again the growth and development that we're getting out of Jamie Tart and Phil Dunster. Oh yeah, that guy can act. Uh it's it's wild. Like this is really like the Jamie Tart show in a lot of ways. There's so many characters that you could peg this on. It doesn't even need to be called Ted Lasso. It could be called uh Jamie Tart at this point. It could be called <laughs> Roy Kent. It could be called Rebecca Welton. You know, it's just like the way that they write these characters. Just incredible what they continue to bring to us week after week. But Let's uh, go ahead and wrap up this episode uh, with this last kind of chunk of scenes that we get. We see Nate waiting for Jade, and he's very worried. In fact, he's texting his mom that, is she going to show up? How do I know if my date's going to stand me up? And then while he's responding to a text from her, he sees her boots and he pans up and um, and then she is there. I should say sees her shoes. I can't remember if they're boots or shoes, and I really don't want emails about that. Oh, my so God. It's some type of footwear uh, that she sees from Jane. Um, but, you know, again, if you want to let me know exactly what they are, please uh, just be Do curious. Do your thing, Internet. Judgmental. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So Jack and Keely um, are at the Taste of Athens they go to window taste seat. Of Athens. <laughs> yeah, and they're at the window seat uh, as requested by Keely because Keely is taking Jack out for a dinner. Um, then we get to see Sam and his dad in the car, and Sam is telling, uh, or Sam's dad is telling him that how proud he was, even because even though they lost. And then Ugh. Sam said that, you know, like he he gets to know that his dad met Rebecca and he's like, oh, dad, did you make things weird? And he was like, yep, of I course sure. I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Sam finally goes, dad, do you want to see the restaurant? And he had been hesitant to show 
him the restaurant because it was so vandalized and it didn't look like it was. And so Sam was even saying, I wish you could have saw it how we had it. And so of course he walks in and man, every Ted Lasso fans heart <sighs> skipped a beat and, and just like you start crying immediately because of course the team is there and they've almost uh, completely fixed up the restaurant in a matter of hours. They've already started to fix all of the uh, tables and kind of starting to make the place settings. And Isaac's cousin started... fixed the door, didn't give him the a discount. <laughs> so much of the glass is gone and they're starting to repaint over the uh, shut up and dribble as well. And then, um, you know, Sam is just kind of at a, a loss for words. And then Sam's uh, dad says to Sam and Simi that he's going to cook them dinner. And we get to uh, really see this uh, uh, amazing uh. bit of a scene. But before we get that, we see that the sign pops on and uh, we learn, of course, that his dad's first name is Ola and that Ola's is named after his dad, which he did not know, which he did not know. And Oh man, that, that was the, that was the break my spirit cherry on top there. Like break my waterways of my eyes uh, moment right there because it's just, Oh God, that just crushed me in in the best way possible. Um, Just that his dad all of a sudden sees that he's the namesake of the restaurant. Um, And again, Craig, Man, the legend of Bumbercatch uh, continues to grow this season because apparently he can fix neon. So sure, why not? Yes, absolutely. Um, I also love the touch that Sam uh, tells Simi that the broken mirrors should stay. uh, And that it reminds that uh, not everything is perfect or that there's imperfection in the world. And then we just see this great scene, which I think we had seen photos of earlier of the team eating Ola's food. This was in the trailer, uh, yeah that that's where it was it was in the trailer and that's uh and that is how we end our episode wow what an episode man like there is so much that happened in this and it's it's like just peak lasso these last couple weeks man uh sunflowers into this like you know this show is just so damn good uh, yeah, all it, of the time. Yeah, it doesn't suck. Uh, that's for sure. Um, no, there's there's a lot of themes that we've already talked about that are going into this. I love that the last shot that we see is once again the idea of what supportive fatherhood looks like. Um, you know, his father sitting there making it the wonderful dance that the two of them are doing to the music. Um, it's just again. I I hope and pray, and I know you do too as a father, Craig, that uh, I am anywhere close to uh, Olo Basanya here um, as a father when I uh, get my kids all grown up and stuff like that. But it shows you again the importance of being able to deal with things with having that support from a very young age and having that support throughout your life. Sam is only able to withstand what most of us would probably shut down and run away from because he has that support system, not only of his father, but now of his team. And man, what a great way to buttress um, Trent's point about the lasso way. This team is not just people that play a game together anymore. This is a community of people that genuinely care for each other. And if total football is going to work, that's the reason it's going to work. Yes, absolutely. And we're going to see what happens in the future episodes. But before we do that, it's time to invite on our good friend, Larry Smith, and get us into our favorite segment of the week. So, Larry, take it away. Tedisms. For each week, we share biscuits of truth 
It's Tedisms time, and Jeremy, you get the pleasure of starting us off with our first Tedism of the week. So, what is it? Okay, Which so direction are you going to go? I'm going to go straight to Ted here um, in the uh, total football meeting where he's talking about uh, Pep Guardiola's uh, hair, <laughs> where he sees a young picture of me. He says, "Man, with a head of hair, with that head of hair, God had to take it away just to even things out." <laughs> <laughs> excellent just peak peak like you know southern lasso charm absolutely i also love that uh the reference beard gives to ted dreaming up total football yeah um and he says which co- coincidentally total football which coincidentally coach dreamed up in a barbecue sauce fueled hallucination just last week and then ted goes no that's true but it's not about me keep shining keep shining <laughs> <just> love, like <laughs> That interaction between the two of them and a callback to uh, our episode last week and everything else. And it's barbecue sauce fueled because we know uh, that it was a dud batch, right? So That's right. I love that. Well, also uh, out of that, his entire thesis for his presentation there, we all know football is life, but a beautiful life is total football. Absolutely. That was another one that I had. I had a lot from this speech because I just loved every bit of it. <laughs> I loved when Roy, when Roy yells, Oi! You turn those frowns upside down because we're fucking doing it. <laughs> he, he is turning it to Ted so slowly. I mean, we didn't even really mention it, but like, as he like says in the speech and everything at the end where Ted's talking about the blue collar comedy tour, and he's just like, God, I hate what you've done to me and stuff. No, like that. Those, are, those are Tedisms. That's why we didn't mention it. Oh, okay. Well, there's one right there. God, I hate what you've done to me. <laughs> yeah, God, I hate what you've fucking done to me. <laughs> and then, and then uh, this is later on, but he goes, um, Beard Beard said to Ted that your goatee makes it look like you ate out uh, Bigfoot's butthole. <laughs> and then uh, Jamie, or, and then Roy goes, uh, AKA Asquatch. And then he just goes, Make it stop. Make it stop. <laughs> <laughs> they want him over, dude. Also, like from that first scene there, we would be remiss if we didn't say the best quote from that entire thing, which is as everybody's leaving and Ted continually keeps saying, Hush your butt. Hush your butt. I love that. I hear butts. Hush your butt. Hush, hush your, your butt. butt. Hush your butt. <laughs> yeah. You got I another? I that. Uh, do I have another? Yes, absolutely. Um, let's see. Oh, Tedism of the episode for me. It's their team. We're just borrowing it for a little while, you know? That when is... When talking in the crown of anchor. That's my favorite quote of this episode, maybe of the season so far, because it is, mm-hmm. again, I told you guys, this is quintessential sports, and what a great way to think about it from a coaching perspective, you know? It's not our team. It's not even the players' team. It's their team. The community is what makes sports teams great. Again, watch Welcome to Wrexham. You will get this, like, insane thing here. This team is so bad for so long, but the community still supports me because they are theirs, and that is such a great line that he says it's their team we're just borrowing for a little while mm. yes something else that comes out of that scene in the crown of An- crown and anchor uh as well this is we talked about it a little bit earlier but <laughs> beard says i guess marriage and pegging aren't all that different and then ted goes yeah it's all about compromise all about compromise <laughs> also from that scene we ain't running a chocolate factory or deutsche bank we got nothing to hide <laughs> It's just fantastic. <laughs> so many literary um, references. Let's go with uh, uh, another one from you while I'm looking for mine. Yeah, well, um, so I said a couple of these things here, but like when Trent is asking him later in the episode if he really thinks that this uh, total football thing is going to work, he says, way I see it, it's kind of like taking a hike with Robert Frost. Could go either way. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent quote, man. 
I want to call out Hannah Wanaham's uh, love bomb gesture that she does yes. at the end when Jack buys them food because she does this heart gesture and then just goes, and it's like, I, it's like a, it's like a physical, uh, physical tedism that I absolutely love. But I, I think we got to dive into just the immense wisdom of Ola Obasanya, right? Yeah. So he gives you so much here. Um, and so I don't know if you have some of these or if you want me to kind of go through them, uh, but I've got, I've only three got two here. I've only got two of them. So, okay. well, you do your first one and then I'll go. Well, and I just love this one. He says, follow your heart, Samuel. Anger will only weaken you. Um, which is again, great, especially when there's so much anger in the world. Cause I don't think really is the whole thing about like the internet part of this uh, episode the internet's not going to validate you, all right? It's not mm-hmm. like when it's just random stuff. Like, he, re- you're right. He goes out there with sincerity. She comes back with snark, and look, look which one won. So, you know, the internet is sometimes a very terrible place, but anger will only weaken you. You know, don't don't give in to it. Yes, absolutely. So the next one that I had that he is the one that we talked about earlier. If you really want to piss these uh, piss off the people who did this, forgive them. Mm-hmm. Big whoop. Man, yeah, what a I, very Jesus-like statement there, but not the best one, Craig. What's the best one? The best one is don't fight back, fight forward. Fight forward. Oh, God. That is, that is, we need a whole episode to break that down, man. But thank you, Olo Basanya. Thank you so, so much. Um, yes, absolutely. But, you know, that, I've that, only that got, is... I've got one left. Um, I don't know about you, but it's uh, um... probably the big one at the end from Ted's last speech. Yeah, I um, yeah. Go ahead uh, with your last one. Well, my last one is, of course, when he's telling the story about how he got his facial hair, and he says the main thesis: a lot of times, the right idea is just sitting right behind some wrong ones. Yes, and then I have one more, and it's when Sam walks into the restaurant, sees the entire team working on things, uh, and Yan Ma says, "We thought your situation needed us." And uh, that was a good one. Although I will say, you know, like I forgot about this one. I'm scrolling through my list to see if there's any others. And I know I should end on that Jan Moss one because it is kind of like a mic drop uh, moment. But Bumper Catch has some amazing lines this season, you know, and one of the lines uh, after he throws up a uh, whole Cheerios, he just says, I like to eat my breakfast without chewing to conserve my energy in case an impending class war breaks out. Like, yeah, of course, that makes sense. Again, like everybody, that always makes sense. Well, you know, that's a pretty good one, but we might as well end on the best one, which of course is a big callback um, of Whistle. Whistle. <laughs> Footballers are just like us, yeah. just like normal people. All I, right. uh, man, I can't, uh, I can't begin to tell you how much I really appreciated and loved this episode, and I loved Ola. God. We need more of him yeah. uh, throughout the last five episodes here. Uh, we should just have his spinoff series where he just gets to spit wisdom at us all day long. You know what? That's who we need to try incredible. to talk to next. I want Nonzo as a nosy on here, man. Let's get him on the all show. Right. Well, let's put that out into the universe and let's see what we can find. Right. <laughs> so um, just some incredible wisdom that we get some incredible heart. We get to talk about the lasso way. Things are really starting to come together for this team. They're going to go on this run. And uh, Apple has already uh, dropped the description for next week. So we do know that next week is when Henry Lasso will be coming back to mm-hmm. join us uh, in England. And we also know that Dr. Jacob and that Michelle are going to be going on a romantic getaway. And that's probably why Ted ends up with Henry. So there's going to be a lot of that uh, theme coming back at us pretty hard and fast next week. So 
uh, excited to be able to break that down for you. But yep. Jeremy, any final thoughts as we wrap this thing up? Nope. Everything is all peachy keen. I really need to sleep, guys. So uh, I'm going to keep it short and simple here and just say we love you. And we will be back here next week for episode eight. Always a pretty pivotal episode in a Ted Lasso season. I know all of them are going to be that eight, nine, ten stretch is always because we had Man City last year. Um, and, and then Diamond Dogs in season one, through. man. That's where we yep. get our and famous then, dart scene. Oh, man, you're right. Oh, gosh. And then nine, we talked about it. So you'll hear this episode this weekend. I did a bonus episode, female perspective on Ted Lasso. And uh, Tori from their soulmates had mentioned that she's waiting for that pivotal scene between just Ted and Rebecca. And of course, we know that that's got to be coming up in nine. episode nine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so we'll see. Um, so, yeah, man, it, because he even called it out. Ted even said, I'll see you back again this time next year. Yep. Uh, and so we know that that scene is coming up in the not too distant future. There's so much that we got to do in these last five episodes. And man, it's just incredible what they're doing for us here. So as we leave the month of April, we head into the month of May, our last month of Ted Lasso episodes. Um, we just got to look forward to the future. So if you want more content from us, definitely follow us on socials, PBBFRN on Twitter, Peanut Butter Biscuit Time on Instagram. But please, join that Facebook group. Literally tonight we're recording uh, just before uh, just after the episode was released and there's so many like great like takes and contributions in that group already and it's just growing and growing and growing so please join us at the peanut butter and biscuits facebook page uh, but that's it for me you'll hear from me a little bit later this week you'll hear from jer next week uh, as we break down episode eight for you at the same bat time and on your same bat channel so for peanut butter and biscuits i am craig i'm jeremy and as always be, be a goldfish, goldfish. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from The Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for The Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.